Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. I'm Tammy Brown, and together my husband Matt and I founded Sandals Church with the vision of helping people to be real with themselves, God, and others. Out of that vision came a personal burden to inspire and challenge women to cultivate kindness towards one another. My heart for Cultivate is to come alongside women so that we can grow spiritually wise, relationally kind, emotionally healthy, and connected in community. This podcast is my way of inviting you to join me for real conversations about what God's Word has to say and what it looks like for us, real women, to cultivate it into our everyday lives. Always keeping in mind that we might not be where we want to be, but if we pursue this, we won't be where we were. Wow, I can't believe that it's almost summer. Summer is upon us. So happy summer to everybody listening. And for some of you, um, that might mean absolutely nothing. That's the joy of adulting, that you don't get summer vacation anymore. And to those of you who have some break or life is going to slow down or have some more ease, yay! So with that in mind, this summer at Cultivate, what we're going to do is have some really real conversations because just because life might look a little different, you might be gone. Um, it has a little more relaxed. We want to encourage you to keep growing. And so we are going to talk this summer about the idea of finding freedom. What does it look like to cultivate freedom in a series of different aspects? And we're going to start today with the idea of cultivate. What does it look like to cultivate freedom through being real? And so with that being said, my love, yes, nice uh, to have you, you here today, yeah. Matt Brown, uh, joining us today um, to talk about the idea of what does it look, how do you find freedom through being real? So let's just jump right in, Matt. Yeah, well, you I mean, take it over because I know you're going to own this whole episode. Go right. Ahead. So the the, <laughs> the seminal verse for that in uh, at Sandals, the sorry, the foundational verse. So this is what sem- does seminal mean seminal. for the friends in the back? Well, like semen, me. right? No. So, why do you have to come out the gate saying that word? Well, the word semen, seminary, <laughs> seminal, it, what it means is the, the origins of life. Where does it start? Where does it start from? So You know what? Thank you seminal, for that home for us. Yeah, the seminal foundation <laughs> for the vision of being real is John eight thirty two. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So why is being real foundational to being free? Because Jesus says that's the very thing that sets you free is learning to be, um, he says the, the word truth, but but truth is authenticity in all ways and in all things. And the truth is we all struggle with the truth with ourselves, the truth with each other, and the truth with God. And so many of us live a very, very frustrating life because we're trying to find freedom without discovering the truth about ourselves, the truth about others, and the truth about God. And so many people, I mean, you, you're enslaved in the cell until you choose to be free. And, and the way that you choose to be free is you choose to embrace the truth. And Jesus says the next step in that is knowing his word. Those who continue in my word will know the truth and the truth will set them free. So we, we can't we can't arrive at truth apart from Jesus. So people say, well, why is the vision of Sandals Church about being real? Well, that's the vision of Jesus. So his vision was to be real uh, in all ways. And, and, and the three categories that we pick, self, God, and others comes from Luke 252, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He grew in favor with God and favor with others. So he he grew personally in wisdom and stature. So the word is grew. He grew up in that. He became more aware and more real of who he was in himself with God and then with others. And so that's where we get the three-pronged focus of Sandals Church. 
and why it's so important that you grow in those areas. Because ultimately, an atheist can be very, very um, passionate about their pursuit of truth, but without God as a part of that process, the author of truth, you're, you're completely missing out on, on what God, you know, has for you. And, and like so many of, I know so many of our, our moms are listening, their kids are going off to college and, you know, they take their first science class and, and, you know, you become an atheist. And I was listening to this mathematician on a podcast yesterday and he said, the first gulp of science will make you an atheist, but the bottom of the glass, God is still waiting. Wow. And I was just like, wow. Um, and the bottom line for that is the more and more we discover about the universe, the less and less likely, um, any scientist anywhere can believe that the the earth and creation, you and I, are any sort of random accident whatsoever. There's just so many things that are so specifically done perfectly that it it seems to indicate that there's a divine author. And so we're not afraid of anything. We continue to press on those things. But John 8.32 is one of the most important verses. If you go to Sandals Church, if you're just a listener and you go to another church, I would encourage you to incorporate that into your church. John 8.32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Um, and that's just so important. So that was a lot of theological background, which I love. And I think it's important for you personally. How do you think you have found freedom through the vision of being real through cultivating honesty and authenticity personally? Well, I mean, I think, unfortunately for me, I wasn't like a, a person who sat down, you know, thought deeply about being real and what is truth and, you know, I didn't do that. I mean, my relationship with you was terrible. My relationship was with it? my family was terrible. <laughs> uh, and my relationship with myself was, was, was terrible. And I just was really wrestling with, you know, what, what is it that I'm missing? What is it that I, I don't understand about myself, about others, about God? What is it that I'm missing? And the answer is, it's just the truth. And, and the truth was, well, I think from the outside, most people would have said, I mean, not everybody loved Matt Brown, but most people like Matt Brown, you know, you knew me in college, you know, I was student body president. I did, I did decent in school. I wasn't out robbing people or, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't this just horrifically evil person, but I was desperately um, longing for a better relationship with you, a better relationship with myself. I wanted a better relationship with Christians and I just, I couldn't figure that out. And so out of frustration, the birth of, of being real is born. And, and the bottom line is most people, most people are just not interested in that. They're just mm. not, they want to, they want to go to church. They want to, you know, hear the right things. Uh, they want to do the right things and they want to be the right kind of person. And the gospel is so much deeper because it doesn't just confront the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. It confronts Nicodemus, who is a teacher and leader in Israel. And Jesus says, unless you are born again, you will have no part of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And Nicodemus is like, what? Well, all of us have to have this epiphany where in order to heal, I have to get real. And um, I, so, so for me, it was just out of total desperation. This is what I need. And you know, um, we're doing the Enneagram series in the fall. I'm a three, three struggle with lying. And so for me, being honest had to be a, like a lifelong goal. Like some of our listeners, you know, you battle weight. Like this is just something that you just wrestle with every day. For me is the truth. It's just something that I, I can't let go of. I have to fight every single day um, because I'm so insecure that, that I'm afraid that if people knew the truth about me, they wouldn't love me. 
they wouldn't care for me. And that, you know, that's where the name Sandals comes from. The thing that was most embarrassing about me when we got married was my toenails. I was a soccer player. I had the most god-awful dinosaur. Did you? Yes. You wouldn't even. <laughs> she would make me sleep with my feet like pointed the other direction because they were so gross. You they guys, were like, it sounds worse than it was. It was they were like claws. <laughs> um, and so that was the ugliest thing about me. And uh, people would say, oh, your feet, who cares? Well, you care. I, I yeah, you cared. cared. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I wanted to be with people that could see the very worst of me and still love me. And so, would you say that the discipline and pursuit of authenticity for you personally has been challenging or worth, worth the hard work? And if so, on the other side, because, because now, I mean, you and I, I, I could already answer these questions for you, I know, but I'm trying to be true to right. what I'm going to ask each guest on here. But for you, um, you know, I know the blessings and I've seen the fruit of freedom in your life by pursuing this, but it is not an easy work, the vision of being real. No, no. You know, um, we have we have had to navigate through what the vision actually means, having started the church such young ages till now of being real isn't being rude right being real <clears throat> isn't being unkind or aggressive or manipulative which it can be sometimes mm -hmm. like we've done that we've had it done to us our kids have you know wobbled their way through growing in this vision too of like i'm just being real yeah. you know but for you personally as you've pursued like grasping with like, I struggle with lying for whatever reason, whether it's like you said, like you were afraid if people knew the truth, they would love you or right. accept you or belong. But you've had to be real anyway. Right. And, and risk people not liking you, loving you, which... Which some people don't. Some people I mean, don't. Actually, a lot of people don't. Um, I do. Thank you. <laughs> I like you. Um, but what is what has been the blessing of the freedom on the other side that you found through the pursuit? Well, I, I, I don't think there's I don't think there's any more anxiety inducing thing in the world than to try to be something you're not. And so, um, mm. you know, I think that's why, like, you know, people who come out of the closet, there's this relief, like, oh, thank God, you know, now mm -hmm. I can tell my parents I'm gay or. Um, you know, I, I have a close friend, a, a close friend of mine that just came out and said, Hey, I'm trans, you know, but he struggled and he battled, um, so hard in, in letting me know that because he was afraid I was going to cut him off. Mm -hmm. Like, like, cause I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian. And for those listening, I mean, if you're gay or if you're struggling with gender identity, I think that the gospel has a specific call for you, um, to love him first. So I'm not saying that, you know, you should just pursue your, um, you know, your, your, your gay sexuality, or you should pursue changing your gender, but, but there's real, there's two calls. So there's the call for me as a Christian for how I'm to treat my body. So God defined uh, my gender and God's called me to a specific sexual ethic, mm -hmm. but he's also called me to love people mm -hmm. no matter what. And so I can't compromise my beliefs, but I also can't compromise God's love from my friends. But I watched him, you know, it was kind of like, oh, and what we need to do as Christians is we need to unapologetically, unapologetically say, I'm a Christian, but I'm still a sinner. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. They posted that old thing about me on TikTok where I'm dressed in that suit and mm -hmm. I take it off. And mm -hmm. it's the most viewed TikTok that the church has. And it's simply a pastor in a suit saying, this is not who I am. I take my jacket off and I have all of the sins that I struggle with written on my mm -hmm. dirty shirt that, you know, you let mm -hmm. me stain. I had a brand new suit. Those aren't haven't seen it. And I cut up the tie, cut up the shirt 
and stained uh, the, this brand new white shirt with like coffee and tea and yeah. whatever. I think I put some mustard on it to, to, <laughs> just to try to make it look gross. But those watching, you know, I look like I'm, I'm dressed like a million bucks. And so, you know, and that's the kind of church I grew up in, right? I mean, pastors had a new, a new suit every week. You look really powerful. I mean, now it's preachers and sneakers. You know, the new thing is look at me from the outside and how I'm hip and cool and amazing and popular and wealthy, just like you. And that's not the gospel. Mm. You know, I mean, Jesus hasn't called, just called you to himself. He's called you to yourself. And I don't think people Wait, understand that. Yeah, that's... Jesus, I, so so I think the religious Christians think Jesus is just calling me to myself, to himself. But he's also calling me to myself, to the true me, to the me that he, he made me to be. And there's freedom in that. There's freedom. So one of the things that we do with kids today is we jack them up because we say you can be whatever you want to be. And that's just not true. You can be what your mental capacity allows mm-hmm. you to be. Uh, you can be what your your body allows you to be. I mean, you know, um, I'm never going to look like LeBron James. The, the worst thing my parents could do would say, Matt, you can be LeBron if you really work at it. I mean, yeah. Okay, I'm not six foot eight, you know, 220 pounds, body of a Greek god. That's not the that's that's not what I have. Um, it, it doesn't matter how hard I work at singing. I will never. <laughs> be good enough to lead worship on stage. That's just not, not yeah, that's not my gift. But what I can do is God gave me the ability to gab, to talk. Yeah. (laughs) To the ability to think. And, and he gave Mm. me the ability to be funny. Hmm. So I can take those three things and I can be me. And you know, if people like it and, and God uses me to reach them, they come to sound church. If not, they go to another church. Um, you know, and, and that's okay because I'm not responsible for the people God hasn't called me to reach. I'm responsible mm-hmm. for the ones that he's called me. I, the, the people that call me pastor, shepherd, that's who I'm responsible for. And so... Um, I think that's such a great point because I do think, like you said, there's nothing more exhausting or anxious filled than trying to be something you're not. I think for me personally, which you know because you see it all the time, but this introduction into seeing into everybody's world on through social medias, seeing everything, everyone's probably not actually, but pretending to be online. Then you, the the pretend game Mm -hmm. is up so much and not even just that. Now you can filter what you look like. You can filter your skin. You can filter your weight. You can filter everything to look like something it's not. And then you see something or someone in real life. It's like, Whoa, and I think, I think people are spending so much time and energy being everything they're not. And the most freedom in being real is to actually be who you are because that it takes work to be the best version of who you are, mm-hmm. but it's actually like a breath of fresh air to be like, no, this is who I am, which is the thing I love about the Enneagram that we've done. And what's, what's interesting is I just was thinking this as you shared that, like God's called you to you because he created you right? because, um, I'm not a mistake. I'm his creation. Absolutely. And this is the first, um, you know, we're right at the beginning of the summer series and right after we're going to go into the Enneagram series because the book is coming out. And I didn't think we would talk about it, but I want to talk about it Um, because it is about understanding you. And when you understand you, which I think the Enneagram helps you do it, you know, Matt and I get questions all the time about the Enneagram about like, it's pagan, it's whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, but we have found it to be the best tool to point us back to 
what scripture and what God says about us. Like for me, I'm a six on the Enneagram. I, I deeply struggle with fear. I need to be diving into God's word every day to keep me grounded in truth, to keep me feeling courageous and to remind me, don't fear that God has me, you know, in the same way for you when it's like, I don't have to spend a lot of time saying, you know, try to be a helper or try to whatever, like try to not lie or try to not bully people. That's just not my bend Mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, on a certain day, maybe, but on the everyday, but fear really is. So Enneagram really helps hone in on what motivates me. I'm motivated by being safe and secure. Mm -hmm. I'm motivated by, I have a lot of one in me, the perfectionist, like getting things right. And so in that can be anger, pride, fear. I really need that. That helps root me back to, okay, here's, here's some real ways I need to pursue God. But once I say, but also here's what I bring to the table. Sixes are very strategic because we, we think through what could go wrong, that fear in a healthy pursuit. And we go, okay, if we do A, B, C, and D, here's how we can get it right. So we're very strategic. Um, you know, we have a pretty good moral compass. I have one with that one. So when I can relax and go, I don't, I don't have to be the super achiever. We have those out there, but I can help them achieve it. You know, I can keep them grounded. It's like, this is my part to play. And it, and when you're playing your actual own part, it's not the heavy lifting of trying to play parts you're not meant to play, you know? And so, okay, my next question for you, Ooh, my computer went off, is this. What do you think you've learned most about yourself along the way as you've pursued being real? Well, I think that, you know, people tend to, you know, the Enneagram talks about nine sins, but I think that if we boil everything down, there it's really two sins. It's fear on one side and pride on the other. And I think that, mm. you know, it's just w- most of us either really struggle because we're prideful, believing we're that bad, or we're on the other side and we struggle with fear. We believe that we're, we're that good. And I'm a person who struggles with fear. Um, and I think that... But how do you struggle with fear? It's a very different fear, fear than I Fear of failure, have. yeah. Yeah, I, fear, I have yeah. fear of everything. Dying, yeah. getting murdered, being raped, well, breaking that, down. That's because it's not just your general sin. It's it's your specific sin and it's yeah. all-encompassing. So, so the like, reason, you're never worried about getting broken into, no. getting carjacked, getting... No, I'm worried about failing. I'm worried <laughs> about my life being useless. I'm worried about being rejected. I'm worried about... Um, you know, not, not do not being successful in my marriage with my kids, you know, with my, my, uh, job of choice, which happens to be a pastor. I want to be successful. I'm a very driven person. And so, um, the fear is I'm not good enough. I don't, you know, um, and you see how people, you know, treat me sometimes or, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean it in an extraordinarily odd, good way, mm-hmm. you know, oh my gosh, you're pastor Matt. And the reason I struggle with that is because at the core issue of who I am, I don't think I'm super special. I think, man, I I can't believe I'm in this position. I don't feel worthy. Mm -hmm. And so that's my issue. And so I think that, um, you know, what it's done for me is it's, it's, it's allowed me to really see God's beauty in me. And, um, I was fully aware. I grew up Southern Baptist, you know, uh, we talk about sin and man, if you didn't feel like crap after the sermon, it wasn't a good one. I mean, that's just how I grew up. And, uh, and my dad mitigated that a little bit. You know, my dad was a, a kinder, gentler pastor, but most of our denomination was just rip snorting, you know, angry, you know, fired up preaching. They used to call it hellfire and brimstone preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then they talked about hell too much. Now we don't talk about it enough because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a real place. Mm-hmm. But, 
um, I think it allowed me to see that there is unique gift this giftedness in me. Um, like the first thing I remember as a kid, like I I don't know, you know, we all have distinct memories, but I thought I was pretty good at art. Like I thought, and you know me, I'm I'm, I'm decently creative. Mm-hmm. And so they had an art contest, which is like, if you're raising a little three, watch out. Like these things are really, really bad. And so I, I drew my art and I, I took it to um, the, the school art contest. I don't even know if you and I have ever talked about this, but it was in the fourth grade. And I remember when I put my artwork up, it was clear, I could clearly see that there were far more gifted artists in my elementary school of, let's say, four or 500 students. And it, something in me died. And what I needed to do is say, okay, this isn't, this isn't the thing that I'm uniquely gifted at. I enjoy it, mm-hmm. but I don't have to win at it. And I, I, that's what I've had to learn is, is it's okay to see, because I'm a three-wing four, it's okay to see God successfully blessing others and that it doesn't diminish how he's blessed me. Oh, women can't can't hear that enough. Like honestly, I think that's what we do as women. Maybe men do it more and women it's just I think we I do it in different more, categories. Yeah. I mean, I, every guy looks in the mirror and thinks he's sexy, you know. Women look in the mirror and you think, "Oh my gosh, I should never be in a bathing suit," you know. I I think that um and some of that's because we just we're starting to objectify men more, but <laughs> Typically, we, we, we object, we, you know, we object. And hopefully objectify Well, I mean, that's life. why guys like shave themselves now. Guys do Botox now. You know, I mean, guys are, it's the effeminization of our society, which is not good. There were some good, there were some good things about masculinity where dudes were just hairy, gross animals in the 80s, you know. Uh, I follow, <laughs> hey, well, you know, um, God made kidding. us hairy. So um, it's just, it's just okay to say, the truth will say, the truth will allow you to say what's good about good and bad about me and how do I invite God to change the bad that I can change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, but most of us, right, the bad things, we don't really see the sin. We say, well, I'm ugly or I'm fat or I'm old. And and what we need to say is, God, I'm envious of those who are young and beautiful and, mm. and in shape. That's the sin. The sin is not, um, you know... Uh, you know, I mean, the, the sin is not obesity. The sin is why, why don't I care enough about the body that God's given me to take care of it and steward it? Mm. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. You know, being sexy is not the goal. Being spiritual is the goal. And so it's to be able to say, okay, here's the things that I need to change. Um, one of the reasons like why I tell, um, I tell personal stories is because as a three, I struggle with lying. So I want to tell stories that I know happened um, and I don't, I don't read illustrations. I don't read stories about mm-hmm, other things. Mm-hmm. I'm always kind of trying to find out, is this true or is that not true? And it's getting harder on Google to actually find the source. You know, if they say Trump said or Biden said, I can't tell you how hard it is to find the actual manuscript of what was said. Mm. It's really frustrating to me. Uh, that should be me e- too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that should be easily, <laughs> never for that. easily accessible. <laughs> And that's the first thing that the media should lead with. And it is, again, we live in a culture yeah. of lies, both left and right. We lie. And so, so what I would say is, is being real helped me to look at my flaws and say, okay, if it's sin, I'm going to give this to God. I'm going to, um, uh, you know, kill it and, and destroy it and offer it up. But if it's a gift, I'm going to use it for God. So what would you say to the women listening about how do, how do you, okay, two-part question. Um, the first part would be, what would you say to women about how to figure out what that gift is? 
and start pursuing authenticity there to find and cultivate this freedom we're talking about. And the second part would be, what's the consequence of not not cultivating freedom by pursuing authenticity? Well, I would say that the first thing you have to do is you have to ask God, God, what's my gift? And so the answer is always not what you think it is. The answer, when you and I first started the church, we would give a spiritual gifts test and, and you're the one taking that test. So mm -hmm. it's only as good as the person taking the test. So what I would say is, God, what have you gifted me at? And then I would just say, and this is why you need community. I would ask the people that know and love you, how do you perceive me as being gifted? Well, would you say another component or aspect of that then is actually seeing it as a gift? Because I think I've had to navigate through seeing the things I'm good at as giftings. Because I can look at what you're good at as a gifting, right. what Melody's good at as a gifting, what Tiff is good at. You know, like they're so good at these things. So I maximize what other people are good at and I right. minimize What's mine. What's your four score? Um, I don't remember. It's well, because I mean, that's envy. It's, it's being envious yeah. of the gift of others. So but the I think four, that's just being female. Okay, well, maybe I'm not, <laughs> I don't know I'm not that a woman. So, but what that is, it's, it's constantly seeing the flaw in yourself. And so yeah. that's the four. So what's wrong with me rather than saying what's right with me. And um, So I think it, you'd, be, you'd say praying to God, asking him to show you and reveal to you, asking your community, what do you see as my gifting? Mm -hmm. And I, then I add... And then owning that as a gift and acknowledging it as a gift and not diminishing what, what you contribute. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then, you, you know, so you are the gift and you use your giftedness and you just find a place to serve and, and you plug in. And, 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 and here's the primary thing is if you want God to reveal um, things about you, then you need, you, need to, you need to join him in what he's about. So like you've seen me, I was at Woodcrest campus last week, you know, and they're tearing down. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to help tear down. And people are just like, what is he doing? Well, you know, when we started the church, we did that for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I know how hard it is to get people to set up and tear down. Mm -hmm. We were at the baptism, I think was it the weekend after Easter. Mm -hmm. We stayed here. We were the last people to, you know, to leave because, you know, I want to help tear down. Baptistries, are, those are big, gigantic pools that have to be drained. And so if you have an attitude to serve, God is going to not only reveal your giftedness, but I would say he's going to give you more. Why, why would why would God waste his precious gifts, you know, his charisma, that's the word for it in Greek. Why would he waste it on you if you're going to use it for yourself? The world is already full of people that are using everything mm. for themselves. So, um, you know, what is my giftedness? And so one of the things that I can do is I can talk, I can think, and I think I also have a deep desire to be fair and balanced. I don't think, I don't see a lot of that. Mm. I see people that are very polarized. Really bothers me sometimes. You know, very left or sorry, <laughs> very left or right. Sometimes I want Matt to not, be not fair and just be on my side. Yeah. <laughs> and he does. I am always work. on, I'm always you're on your side. You're bad at that and I'm saying it for everyone to hear. <laughs> yeah. You're always on, I'm always on your side. You're just not always on the right side. <laughs> So, you know, so, and we Shoot. all, we all need that. We all need somebody to say, Hey, you know, and, and I've, I've per personally witnessed, I mean, I'm going to be 50 years old. I've personally witnessed people run from the truth and, and run from God's blessing on their life. Okay. So then answer the second part of the question in that, what, what is the consequence for people not pursuing being real right, and the freedom that, that like you started with, like you're imprisoning yourself by not like how, what would you want to say about that before we wrap up? I think what you're doing is you're, you're, you're running away from the blessing and glory of what God had planned for you. 
and you will become, as you age, a diminished, more lonely, isolated, depressed, anxious person. And here's the thing is, that's what I think hell is. I think hell is for all eternity, you moving every day further and further away from the glory that God called you. So that's why I think Jesus describes it as agony, because I think you're going to see what God called you to be. You know, C.S. Lewis said that if we ever saw a human being in its full glory, we would fall on our faces and, and, mm -hmm. and well with tears at the glory of God that is in every human being. And so, you know, we, I think we fall from that in life and you become a very diminished person. And I've seen people who are extraordinarily gifted. I've been the pastor here at Silence Church for almost 25 years. I've seen people walk away from the blessing and anointing of God and they become diminished, small, insecure, unloved, isolated people. And then I've watched, you know, we were talking with that young man that was at our house yesterday, and we were just simply talking about his upbringing and his wife's upbringing. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about, you know, he has no relationship with his father at all. They don't speak, haven't spoken since, I think, elementary school. Mm -hmm. And his father's a very successful person in Los Angeles, very successful, high career, no relationship nothing with his mom. And then he pivoted and said, my wife's parents are amazing. And I stopped him and I said, because they've chosen to love and serve God. Mm. They've chosen to love and serve God. And that right there is the very difference of just saying over 20 years, over 25 years, we're going to love and serve God. We're going to love and serve ourselves and our passions. Mm. And in the end, what happens, um, you know, you, when you run from God, you turn into Gollum on, 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 on Lord of the Rings, right? He serves the precious. He serves this ring, but ultimately he's a slave to it. Mm -hmm. And that's what sin does. Sin offers you pre pleasure, but in the end, it only brings pain. Jesus requires sacrifice, but in the end, it brings blessing. Mm -hmm. And so it's the complete opposite. And so many people, so many of your listeners, you know, when there's nothing wrong with going to the river, there's no nothing wrong with going, having a boat or whatever, but so many people today... They think the end of life is to have fun at life. The end of life is to serve God and then to enjoy Him in you know, eternity forever. So Psalm says the pleasures, of, the pleasures in life are at the right hand of God forever. Mm. That, that's nirvana. That's utopia. When Jesus says uh, to the thief on the cross, He says, remember me when you come into my kingdom. He says, today you will be with me and the word is paradise. So people are pursuing paradise now and it's empty you know, it's fleeting and, and man, it, it just, it's just so destructive. And, and, and what I would say is for everybody, here's what, here's what authenticity will make you. It will make you wise. Um, it mm. will make your life count. It will make you a, a better person, you know, just to love and be around. And, and here's what I would say to all the women listening. Look, old age, ugliness, and, and sickness are inevitable. Maturity and wisdom and relationships are not. You have to pursue those. Nobody's working. No, no woman listening is saying, you know what? I'm going to work at getting older. Mm -hmm. That happens every day. But we have to work at getting wiser. Uh, we have to work at getting stronger. Uh, you know, a great book I can always recommend is in my office, The People of the Lie by M. Scott Peck. It's Matt's go-to It's my go-to book, man. People say, what, what's the top book? I would read that book. And he talks about actually one of the reasons he believed in evil was a woman that came to counseling, a mother and a wife. Mm. And she would say all the right things. Mm -hmm. And he said she was evil, plotting, you know, uh, 
twisting, trying to work through being good, being religious. But he said, in the end, he, said, he calls her, he says, you are evil, and she never comes back. And, and this is M. Scott Peck, one of the greatest you know, therapists of probably of all time. And, and so we have to work at this. And so authenticity will bring about the real you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but remember, you cannot become yourself by yourself. You need other people to speak into your life. You need real community and not just, and again, I, I, hate, to, I hate to toot this horn, but list, you need to be in community with people who are listening to the sermon mm. and asking, what does God want me to hear? What does God want me to do? And then you want to be in group with those people that are then challenging you about what God wanted you to hear and about what God wants you to do. But we get in group and we talk more about politics. We talk more about our kids. We talk more about our weeks. Mm-hmm. Then what did, what was mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit saying? What was the Holy Spirit saying? And, um, you know, this next week I'm preaching on just the, the, the mission and vision of our church. And so many people are asking the wrong question and say, what's God's plan for my life? And really, it's what's God's plan for everybody's life. And, and what that is, is that we all join in, in his purpose and his plan. Like, right, God's not a part of my story. Mm-hmm. I choose to be a part of his story. And I'm going to help him build the church in whatever way that I can, you know. And, um, and, and part of growing up as a Christian, you know, you know, kids don't naturally help and serve. The parents do that right? What do kids enjoy? Kids enjoy the work, the sweat, and the tears of what the parents have provided. Amen. Here's how you shift from a child to an adult <laughs> oh in the church. Gosh, so many of you, right you want to come and they enjoy the sermon, the worship, the mm. kids program, the youth program. If you're not serving and contributing, you're a child. Okay. okay. Right? You're a child. Because Shoot, adults. I'm sorry, everybody. This is getting super real. Sorry. The adults work. Adults <laughs> serve. Sorry? Mark 1045 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but mm. to serve and give his life as ransom for many. And so, what we have to do is at the church is, What can I do to help? How can I help? And, you know, I mean, this is what breaks my heart. I can't tell you how many people sign up to help but never show up to serve. Oh, that's so true. And we, and we, we see this constantly, constantly, constantly. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and that's, that's, the, that's the thing that breaks my heart for young people. Young people today are so focused on how things should be better. Mm-hmm. But what we know statistically is the younger, younger you are, the less you serve to make things better. Mm. Like, it, it's, just, it's just problematic. And um, we, we, we're divorcing ourselves as a culture from people who serve. Yeah. So, uh, and we're demanding those who have worked and created to serve us before we've stepped up to the plate and said, okay, I'm going to serve. I'm going to be a part of this. So I, I would just say this authenticity, I think is, is the path to eternal life being real. Um, and if, if you're real, Jesus says the truth will set you free. Well, that's what I was going to say. I want to end on this. John eight thirty six. If the sun sets you free, you are truly free. So as women are, are going through this summer, um, we're encouraging them to, what does it look like? I, I think I've been a Christian for years and, and, and I'm just now starting to understand what it looks like to be free from be, fear of man, mm-hmm. from being th- something I'm not, of being afraid. So we're going to talk about cultivating courage in the pursuit of freedom, cultivating authenticity today. You know, so again, if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. What do you, what would your final thought be on that for women of like, what does that look like? Cause I think we are, we're all saying we're Christians. We're all saying we are. And I see so few people truly free. 
we're starting today with authenticity because I do think that's the first step, becoming who you are. But why, why should women pursue like what this verse is saying, you are truly free? Like, what does that look like? What, what would your final word be on that? Yeah, I think what Jesus wants to set you free is to be yourself and to worship him and serve him. And I think what a lot of women want is they, they, they want to be free like that girl or they want to be free like that family or they want to be free, you know. And so you're constantly comparing yourself to the wrong standard and you need to go to Jesus and say, well, what do you want me to do and who do you want me to be? Um, because, you know, w- women tend to operate, you know, a lot together. And so oftentimes the group that you're in is the very group that you need to break free from. You know, um, and you need to wait. I want everyone to just think about don't don't hang up on us. Just yeah, no, I I see women all the time, and I mean, you and I've had these questions over the years where I've just challenged you and your friends, and I'm like, why do you want to be with her? Why do you want to hang out with her? Like she is not nice, kind, loving, into you for you, and and the problem is, you know, um, one of the ways that you have to be willing to break free is you have to be willing to be alone with Jesus, Mm -hmm. and. um, uh, you know, I had this gal come up to me at the gym last week and I was doing calves, which if, it, I don't know if your don't audience. Don't go off on that tangent. I know. They, calves <laughs> is the worst thing. It hurts the most. And so when you step off the calf machine, you can barely walk. And I turn and she's, I know our listeners can't, but she's like right in front of my face. She's sweating. I can see her eyes are swelling with tears. And she said, I'm so sorry. She says, are you Pastor Matt? And I said, I was assuming she was pretty sure because she's pretty close to <laughs> ask that question. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm Pastor Matt," and she said, "I I I hate to interrupt your, your you know your your workout," and she just started weeping like publicly. And and this gym is very crowded, and um, she just said, "I'm going through a divorce," and she just she just began to cry, and you know she was just hurting, and um. She's just, you know, and of course, you know, she, she got real. She's with another guy already. And I just said, stop. I said, God's not going to bless your life. So now I challenged her to read John 4. John 4. And I said, this woman was married five times. And she, this girl's pretty young, I'm guessing. So she's still got potential to maybe do five, six marriages. You know I mean? Like when you're young, you, you don't think. And I said, Jesus says God is spirit. I said, why do you think God tells her that? And I challenged her to read it. And I said, because he's not a man, you're never going to find your meaning in a man. You're going to find it in God. And I said, before you Mm. can ever be loved by someone else, you have to learn to love yourself. Mm. And I said, I want to challenge you to get out of that relationship. I said, get in divorce recovery at Sandals Church, get in a community group and, 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 and do this. Cause she told me they have a one-year-old daughter. I said, Mm. so that you can raise her to love herself and love God as God loves herself so that you don't get in this situation. Because here's the thing about bad decisions, ladies. It's real easy to get some momentum. Like, it's real easy yeah, to yeah, start yeah. rolling. So true. You know, and and this is one of the things, you know, we look at the homeless crisis and we're saying, how is this growing so fast? Because we've not been honest with young people that it's really easy to screw up your life. Mm. It's really hard to build a good life. It's really easy to screw up your life. Mm-hmm. And um, And here's what you need to know about every homeless person. They've burned out every family relationship they have. They've all burned them out. They have family somewhere. So, uh, you know, they have a drug. I mean, something has gone so catastrophically wrong in their life for a period of time that that's the best situation. Mm -hmm. Now, it might be a drug addiction, whatever, but we just need to realize, like, it's just really hard to build a good life Mm -hmm. and you can destroy it with one or two, you know, decisions. And so um, 
I just would encourage you guys, you know, keep, keep pursuing God, quit worrying about what all, you know, get out of high school, quit worrying about what all the girls Whoa. around you are doing, <laughs> okay. you know, and, 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 and start becoming the woman God's called you mm. to be. And because God's called you to be strong, you know, God's called you to be brave. God's called you to be courageous. And I think one of the things that requires the most courage in our society is to be a mama bear, to, to mm. be, I don't care what everyone else's moms are doing. They're stupid. You will not do this. You will not go there. And you know, our kids, mm-hmm. our kids know they have no shot. Like they're, well, so-and-so I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> I care. Yeah, I don't care if every parent on earth is saying our kid's doing this. I'm like, you're not doing that. And our kids are just like, because, because I don't yeah. care. We need to live to serve God. So I know that was a rant. Well, thank you so much for being on and speaking to the women today. Well, I had to. You're my wife. Uh, yes, you Let's did. not act like I was free. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of liberty. I still appreciate you. Um, thanks for coming on. I think that when it comes to talking about being real, there's no other voice that I want thank speaking you. into this because the vision really was birthed in you and we've cultivated that together over the years so I hope everyone enjoyed a little time with Matt Brown if you got lost along the way sometimes I do too that's how do you think I live with him but also um, have so much love and respect for you and so thanks for being with Cultivate thanks love you I love you bye thanks for listening to the Cultivate podcast If you were encouraged by what you heard, we kindly ask you to share this episode through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Then tell a friend. We'd love our conversation to help you start your own. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and leave a review. We love hearing what you think and we know others will too. Cultivate Women exists to help women like you grow spiritually wise in a community of kindness. If you attend Sandals Church, join us as we live out what we're learning on the weekends by using our weekly reflection guide. This is written by women for women so that you can cultivate the truth of God's word into your life. Find it every Monday at cultivate.sc discussion. You can keep up to date on all things Cultivate by following Cultivate Women on Instagram and Facebook or by visiting our website at cultivate.sc. Because Cultivate is just one piece of the ministry of Sandals Church, be sure to find our current and archived sermons from Pastor Matt Brown at sandalschurch.tv or go to sandalschurch.com to visit a campus near you. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Debrief Podcast, where Pastor Matt is giving real answers to tough questions from the Bible. Find it at debrief.show or wherever you find podcasts. Friends, until we connect again, here or in person, remember, cultivate kindness.